Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, before we start, a big thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We grew by just a handful this week, and, so, and by a very powerful handful, Lewis. Big thanks to... Is it more of my family? Well, it's funny you should mention that. It's not more of your family, but it is close personal friends of ours. Big thanks to Liz Adams uh, and my mother-in-law, Jan Holdsworth, who became scaremongers, Lewis's mum... Is, a, is also a scaremonger. My partner's mum is a scaremonger. Let's all go for the mums of this podcast. It's really great. Is anyone giving us money that isn't <laughs> related to us? I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people our age can't afford to uh, subscribe to the Patreon, which got me thinking, Lewis, if you can't afford three bucks a month, maybe you could ask your mum to subscribe to our Patreon <laughs> instead. Tell them that it's franking credits, like franking credit insurance for the for the mm. uh, apocalypse. They might as well. Most old people will actually <laughs> tap out. Uh, it's too bleak. Um, <laughs> I made this episode of Irrational Fear in isolation on the land of the Gadigal in the Yora Nation. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dum, and Section 44. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, Donald Trump says he'd like to see churches in America full at Easter time. All part of his greater plan to have all buildings in America empty by Christmas time. And this week, the Australian Parliament went on recess for five months because there's nothing to do until then. And the 30-minute restriction on hairdressing appointments has been lifted, but I'm not going to get a haircut till they lift the restriction on allowing barbers to spit in your mouth like the old days. Wash your hands and stay at home. This is Irrational Fear. A rational fear. Yes, this is a rational fear. My name's Dan Illich. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. He's one of Britain's best exports that not many people know about. He's the Bedfear Shire clanger of voice acting. It's Rupert Dagas. Is that a fair introduction for you, Rupert? Oh, it's marvellous. I oh, bless you. Bless your heart. <laughs> Next, she's fast become one of the stars of Australian comedy scene. She is as versatile as a meringue, but as complicated as a pavlova. It's Beg Melrose. Oh, what an intro. I love it. I've never had a bakery-themed intro. <laughs> and he is a staple of this show, and he can be relied on to delight. He is the Wheat Bix with sugar on top. It's Lewis Hobart. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Um, I actually used to consume a lot of Wheat Bix with sugar on top. That's um, eerily accurate. It's like very bland and white bread, but with like a little something on top. A little bit of excitement. In this week's show, we discuss the government's rules for social distancing, the stimulus package. We chat to a health worker on the front lines and hear from an Aussie stuck in the Petri dish of New York City. Also, Kirsty Webeck is coming by to do five minutes of her Melbourne Comedy Festival show and News Fighters. We've just got too much content this week. Here is a message from our sponsors. From Latham Industries and Audible, Robbie McGregor reads Mark Latham's tweets. From his early defamation period... In an office somewhere inside the Education Bureau in Beijing this morning... Hi, 
New South Wales is four years behind our students in maths, but Mark Scott is teaching them a new lesson. 40% is gender equality. More laughter than a Confucian fortune cookie. To the ramblings of a man just discovering the dark web. Great lies of the elites. Someone with a penis can be a woman. Men can have babies. Renewable energy can keep the lights on. Australia is central to solving climate change. The people smuggler trade is compassionate. The Middle East is worth fighting for. The ABC is independent. To misinformation and conspiracy dressed up as philosophy. A guy eats a bat in Wuhan, and now my two sons are without jobs. The lesson is, when humans lose their mastery and control over the animal world, which is what happened in Wuhan wet market, our entire civilization can suffer. Humans must always put themselves first. Animals second. Download Robbie McGregor Reads Mark Latham's tweets if you want to give yourself an aneurysm. Oh, can't wait to download that. That's Yay. the only way I would consume Mark Latham's tweets is via Robbie McGregor, although I'm disappointed he didn't make them sexier. would have liked <laughs> to hear him do, like, the full Oz Faruqi court case, but like he was doing an SBS porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, coronavirus at disease 19 is the most famous of all the corona family so far, has ravaged up to... 2,423 Australians and yet has to do one single collab with a makeup brand. Very disappointing for fans of this disease. How are you all coping this week with um, with your COVID lockdowns? Beck, how are you coping? Oh, I'm, I'm over it already, but I'm counting myself pretty lucky in the scheme of things. Um, I, I'm just a bit sick of the lack of clear communication that we're getting. I think... We've ne- it's never been more important for us to have clear, decisive, persuasive communication. And it feels like every day we're in this extremely stressful, real-life, amazing race. We're just tuning into the news for the next clue. Nothing's clear. <laughs> it's totally – it is very strange. Like the, the hairdressing limit got lifted today. You could go and get a haircut for longer than 30 minutes, but still the rules of being 1.5 metres away – from every person still apply. I don't know a hairdresser with arms long enough to actually do a proper job. No, nor do I, or anyone who makes scissors that long. I don't know what they're going to do about that. But The uh, the lack of women in the cabinet of the coalition was so on display when the first round of those, um, the cuts on cuts um, came out and they were like, <laughs> we can only uh, let people in around hairdressers for half an hour you're like i realize that you're nearly bald already scott and you probably haven't had a haircut in a decade but talk to one woman who has had a haircut that has gone for half an hour find me one (laughs) anywhere oh even the chat goes longer than half an hour all the the bullshit chat you get i'm one of those baldies that just needs to get that short haircut and when it gets long and fluffy at the back of the neck it's like oh no come on and i only need five minutes at the barbers but they're like closed and uh what did they say today you don't what's gladys say today you don't need to get your hair cut it's like well uh okay i'll just uh grow a little fluffy um you know peach fuzz in the back of my neck for the next six weeks how I think I think having fluffy uh, fuzz at the back of your neck is a fair trade-off. From I think so, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, public health emergency. I reckon I can go with the peach fuzz. We can go. We can go. We can go. There's all this confusion too around like the differences between self-isolation, quarantine, social distancing, physical distancing. No one's really clear on what anything is. Oh, my, yeah. my favourite thing, though, that I saw this week, like I'm really grateful we've got the ABC at a time like this, but I saw an article where they were stepping through the evidence behind each of the theories of how the virus originated and they've yeah. got this photo of a pangolin <laughs> with this caption. It says, a pangolin, but not this specific pangolin, could have passed the virus to humans. <laughs> I, 
as someone who's been an executive producer at the ABC, I can understand how that caption would have come about. Someone in legal would have gone, well, we probably we probably should uh, make sure that pangolin isn't defamed at some point. Uh, well, there's, uh, pangolins are known for being quite litigious, so you can't be too careful, can you? Can't leave any chance of a defamation suit. Why would you don't say that Chris Kenny fucked a pangolin, you're fine. <laughs> But you can say yeah, it. Yeah. You can say it on this podcast, and that's totally fine because I don't have any lawyers and I don't have any money. So come for me. <laughs> oh, you've got my mum's Patreon. Oh, that's cat. right. I've got your mum's ten bucks a month. Thank you, Margot. <laughs> yeah. Now, Rupert, you you're also a little bit confused by all of the social distancing rules, aren't you? I'm very confused because I think a pangolin might have come into Balmoral. I'm very confused about it. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that Prince Charles we're talking? It's, it's, it's awful. I mean, stuck in stuck in my bed, sweating. With Camilla's by my side. It's just one and a half meter distance isn't really any problem. I don't curtsy. It's all it's all fine. We don't no, it's um. It's, no, it's, no, it's, your it's, royal highness. Your Royal Highness, uh, you actually, apparently, you got the old COVID bug from attending a bushfire benefit concert in London. He was full of Australians. <laughs> came over. They'd been on a ship from 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 China. Um, yes. Uh, no, I don't know what happened. Really. Yes, but I'm I'm sweating, and as Molly Meldrum uh, told me back in the seventies, he's sweating like a pig. I learned some Australian slang. <laughs> and have you have you been amongst the 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 other royalty? Have you been with the Queen while you've been sweating? No, Mummy won't let me come anywhere near her, unfortunately. Um, but 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 I do have my equerry, and my equerry has got it, and his his partner's got it, and their child has got it. But they've all recovered, so I think I'll be fine. <laughs> like at this point, is um like Queen Elizabeth is. She, she her like blood needs to be tested in the same way that Keith Richards does. Like she is immortal. Like if she survives this, if if Charles goes and and she's still alive, she's either knocking them off or she's immortal. She's a vampire. There's only there's only so <laughs> many tunnels. There's only so many tunnels. <laughs> Understandably, Rupert, you find this whole thing quite unclear. But you imagine what it would be like if a private school principal had to deliver this kind of information to his students. Irrational fear. <laughs> All right, settle down. Settle down. Right, now, before I begin the list of new measures announced by the Prime Minister this morning, will those of you who are playing in the match this afternoon, and only if you're an essential member of the team, move your clothes down onto the lower peg immediately after lunch, which will be takeaway only, before you write your letter home with a sanitised pen, if you're not getting your hair cut for a maximum of 30 minutes, but no yoga, unless you've got a younger brother who's going out this weekend to a funeral with a maximum of 10 people, but not a wedding, where only five people are allowed as the guest of another boy, in which case collect his note before lunch, put it in your letter after you've had your hair cut, so no time for a wax, which is forbidden anyway unless it's essential, and make sure he moves your clothes down onto the lower peg for you. Now, sir. Yes, Weimar? My younger brother's going out with Dibble this weekend, sir, but I'm not having my hair cut today, sir, so do I move my clothes down or... I do wish you'd listen, Weimar. It's perfectly simple. If you're not getting your hair cut, you don't have to move your brother's clothes down to the lower peg. You simply collect his note before lunch, after you've done your scripture prep, when you've written your letter home, before rest, move your own clothes onto the lower peg, greet the visitors, keep a distance of 1.5 metres, and report to Mr Viney that you've had your chit signed, and then wash your hands for 20 seconds while singing Happy Birthday twice. Got it? Now, where were we? Irrational fear! Well, the coalition have gotten on the front foot and have done something akin to heresy for conservatives. They've doubled the amount of money available for New Start, making it an amount that's almost kind of livable. Uh, now, this is from a party whose main ideology is to undermine the public service at every step of the way. They defund health, they defund science, they defund education, public media and welfare. They spent so long saying that they'll never ever increase New Start that they actually had to give New Start a brand new name and they've called it Job Seeker. That way they can never look wrong at all. We never increased New Start, we made something better. We call it Job Seeker. Fuck off! But here's the thing, Western democracies around the world have kind of been figuring out other ways to do this. In Denmark they do a lot more. Denmark are paying up to 90% of the wages for workers kept on staff. 
In New Zealand, they're paying $600 a week. In Germany, they're providing government grants and loans to pay wages. In Ireland, 70% of wages are up to up to 70, $750 a week they're being paid. In South Korea, 70% of wages are being paid. And in the UK, up to 80% of wages are being paid by the government, which is absolutely incredible. What do you think Australian, the Australian government should be doing to support workers in this time? We've got to realise that in a lot of those situations, I think certainly in the UK, many, many people cannot get access to that government funding because when you say wages, quote unquote, they're only talking about a certain uh, element of the workforce. You know, the... Over the last 20, 30, 40 years, they've systematically destroyed um, public workers. It's all private enterprise now. And so they're talking about the public sector. um, And the public sector has been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And you've got more and more small businesses, more and more self-employed people. They can't access a red cent of that. So let's just be realistic. Right. Um, so uh, The you know, government's not handing money out willy-nilly to everybody. What I've read it out is, is a lot rosier than what it actually is. It's, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I, I, think it's, I think it's just spin. It's not actually true. Um, it's, it's going to the, to the people who work in the public sector, not people who work in the private sector or who run small businesses or who are self-employed. And that's certainly in the UK. I don't know about other countries. Well, I I would definitely like to see the government doing more. From what I've read, it looks like our response has been um, pretty piss poor comparatively. But and, and also just sending people out on the streets after saying, keep your distance, don't go out, stay home. And then we've got queues around the block of people shoulder to shoulder queuing up for Centrelink. Um, it's, that's what happens. They've, they've dismantled the system over so many years and now it can't cope. It is so, it's so strange. Like, I feel like liberal ideology has completely made the liberal government inept at this point. Like they've like shot themselves <laughs> in the foot to the point where they've like destroyed the thing that they need to kind of see this moment through. Yeah. yeah the only person happy right now is Bill Shorten for losing that election. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he must just be thrilled. I mean, you'd, you'd hate to be a politician and a world leader right now, wouldn't you? I mean, you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I don't um, know. I mean, I don't, I don't feel do. sorry for them or, but by, by any means because who would want to go into politics? But also, don't you think that, like, when like when you get in – if you dream of, like, sport, your your dream when you get into sport is that you're in that position where you get the ball, the siren goes, you're one point down, it's your chance to be the guy that comes through and saves the day. <laughs> This is that moment. Like, this is Rudy Giuliani before he went off the deep end. This is actually your opportunity <laughs> to become a person. And people look back on and they go, thanks to that person being a leader, which is literally their job, yes. their one and only job. They could, We could look back in a year and be like, my God, thanks to them, thousands of lives were saved. Either they don't care or they didn't want it or they're not trying. It's a mm. fucking disaster. Mm. What you're saying is this is this is Scott Morrison's Andrew Eddinghausen moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's, yeah, and he's, he's fumbled. It. He's knocked yeah. it on. Yeah, he's knocked it on. <laughs> he's we getting quite... Let's get Jonathan Thurston in. That guy knows how to play clutch. <laughs> Have you noticed the way, you know, um, Scott Morrison doesn't seem to show any real sympathy? He's just kind of getting angry and telling us all off, you know, stop it. Now stop it now. It's un-Australian. It's like, hang on, dude, we're all scared. Show us a bit of leadership instead of, you know, now stop doing that. It's not Australian. It's like, come on, mate. It's so, like, unclear. I mean, as we were discussing earlier, like, the you know, the, the fact that you can't even be clear on whether or not you can get a haircut and for how long. Like, if you can't do that, like, how do you expect to actually manage an economy? It's so baffling. And the, the that same that message that he gave the other night in the press conference where he's like, you know, obviously you can go out in groups and we don't want to specify how many because Australians should just use your common sense. I'm like, mate, you're telling a group of people to use their common sense who are shiving each other in the toilet paper aisle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what yeah. fucking <laughs> The only thing he's done really is give Richard Curtis a brilliant idea for a sequel, um, grimmest sequel ever, five people at a wedding, ten at a funeral. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Back Melrose, everyone. (laughs) A rational fear. A new style that guarantees to strip centimetres off your thighs and firm up your backside. 
A TikTok video of a 19-year-old health worker who was spat on went viral yesterday. Here is some of that video now. Hi, little coronavirus update from an Australian healthcare worker who works in a coronavirus team. Australians generally have this attitude towards coronavirus where they do not care whether they live or die or kill their grandparents or whatever, which is already super fun to deal with. But yesterday, I had a patient spit on my face. We don't know whether he's confirmed or not, but he's been tested and we haven't got the swabs back yet and he spat on my face because I'm going to get sick anyway. So let me know, let me, how's it going in your country? You know, like, how is it? You know, like, how are the people? Well, that's some pretty uh, fucked oh. up stuff there. People who are on the edge more, more than anyone else would be health workers who are on the front lines of this disaster. Joining us now is Dr. Jazzy Daniels, who is not only a Patreon subscriber of Irrational Fear, but is on the front lines of uh, in regional Australia waiting to deal with this disease. Um, Jasmine, thanks for joining us on Irrational Fear. That's right. Thanks for having me. Now, what was your, what's your experience like waiting for COVID to hit um, Tamworth, where you are? So that's like a pretty interesting question. Um, I started out this year not working in healthcare and I'd gone back to university full-time living in Sydney. So I've had a bit of a contrasting experience where I was with the general public for the beginning of um, coronavirus and COVID-19 and I was dismissive at first and I wasn't sure about social distancing. I wasn't sure about what was coming out of China. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago that it kind of hit home to me, like how important this is um, and what it will mean for healthcare. Um, and I returned to, to Tamworth to work um, a run of casual shifts there. Um, I've just finished those. And I've really started to see and understand what it, this is going to mean for Australian healthcare. Um, I went, being in the hospital, um, it feels as if that there is like a tidal wave and we can see it. We're staring out at sea and we can see it coming, but we don't know when it's going to hit. And all we can do is try to prepare. Um, and that's what's happening at the moment. A lot of commentators are saying that, you know, we're, we're two weeks out from something very severe in this country. Yeah. Like how are you going about to prepare for something like yeah. this? So a lot of that is coming from senior staff in the hospital um, and in the emergency department where I was working in Tamworth, the senior staff have been spending extra time planning and, um, you know, preparing in terms of what they're going to do for the patients that come in who are incredibly unwell, but also like where to manage them and how to protect the rest of the patient population that are still going to be coming in. Um, and that's one of the problems with this is that, yes, we're going to have incredibly unwell patients coming in with COVID-19, but we're also going to have patients having heart attacks, having strokes, um, motor vehicle accidents for people who are still um, driving around the country. Um, all of those things, like out in Tamworth, there's farmers who are still going to be going about their daily work and they have a higher rate of um, workplace accidents as it is. So those people are still kind of be coming in and we don't want to expose them to, to the coronavirus. Um, and so they're preparing um, special rooms and then how to get people into these rooms. They've uh, reduced their elective theatre lists, so um, operating theatre lists, so um, patients that are coming in for procedures that can be delayed, will be delayed, um, and, yeah, setting up different quarantine uh, and preparing how to intubate patients um, while protecting themselves. Um, a lot of the senior doctors are older um, and immediately at higher risk, so they're really putting themselves on the line um, to take care of these patients or we're anticipating to take care of these patients. While I was working there, um, we had some patients come in and testing positive. Um, one who has gone to local media, um, so it's all very public knowledge uh, that they're in there at the moment. We haven't had anyone incredibly unwell, but they're preparing for it, running through um, simulations of what that would look like. How are they um, preparing you? Like are they in terms of like equipment or um, protective mm. gear? Like what, yeah. what are they sort of telling you on how you can actually protect yourself? Because once we start, yeah. obviously there's so many issues. There's losing the ICU beds, but then there's also mm. like losing, you know, health workers. There's a really high risk of health workers contracting um, COVID-19. Um, and when they have that, they can't work, obviously, because, you know, we're still looking after our other patients. Um, in terms of preparing the junior medical workforce, um, I can talk mostly about what's happening in the Hunter New England district, um, where I've been working for the last couple of years. And they're uh, looking at, you know, keeping us in, like, or keeping the doctors working there in their current positions rather than rotating them around. 
Um, and there's other really important things about, you know, having the correct personal protective equipment on and then how to get that on and off, um, which sounds a bit silly, but in that process of, we call it donning and doffing, um, is where you're at high risk of exposure. Um, but with that, uh, like when I, I'd, again, one of those things that I hadn't thought about until I actually saw it, I went, uh, when I worked in Tamworth Emergency Department, they're zip tying down their hand sanitizer because people have been stealing it. You know, like there's already issues that we might run out of um, PPE and it hasn't hit yet. We are, I do agree that we're probably a couple of weeks away um, from seeing perhaps what's happened in Italy. Uh, so, yeah, it's a bit frightening, but there's, there is support out there. Um, but it's going to be a very difficult time for medical workforce around Australia. Jazz, can I ask you um, if there's been any evidence yet that anyone who's contracted COVID-19 and then recovered, if they then have built immunity and whether they could get it again? I've been asked this question a lot recently. I don't have, I've, I've heard that someone has recontracted it, but I've not, like, I've not validated that myself. So I'm not sure exactly about whether or not you will have it and then have lifelong immunity or um, if, yeah, so I can't answer that one. Sorry. Uh, I think the only way you can get immunity is through a tribal council for COVID-19. Mm. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> Jeff Probst. Yeah. We need we must protect Find him. That idol. <laughs> yeah. Uh how are you feeling, Jazz? Like how are you feeling with this uh looming kind of in, in your workplace very soon? Yeah, so I have a baseline level of anxiety that I've never really experienced before. <laughs> the good um, I think that's everyone. I think that's yeah, everyone. Yeah, so we've all got it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's real. Um and so I was, I'm, I, so this year, a bit of background about myself, I'd actually stopped working full time to um, undertake a master's of international public health. And I'd moved my life to Sydney and I was undertaking my full time face to face classes, which lasted three weeks before um, they were pulled online. Um, at which point I decided it was best to return to the medical workforce. So I've withdrawn from my studies um, and am now looking at different work options. Um, so, so in terms of how I'm feeling about it, um, it yeah, it's, it's actually really scary. And I think we can only be as prepared as we can be, but hopeful in the sense that we can still make a difference. And we talk about flattening the curve and it's not too late to do that. Um, it's not too late to start social distancing, to work from home. Um, and I know that this is going to have huge economic uh, impacts on people and it already is, um, but hopefully, uh, we, talk, we spoke about this earlier, that hopefully the government can support those who aren't able to work and they'll have enough to live and then we'll rebuild ourselves from there. But, yeah, I've been exploring um, where I can be of the most use. Now, with your master's, was it international health, did you say? Yeah, international public health, which is extremely relevant um, at this point in time. Can I explain how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, do you get a credit for COVID nineteen? Do you get a credit like yeah, for COVID twenty? You know, yeah, just like yeah, just everyone gets a high distinction. Well done. <laughs> like in terms of your like personal situation, have you had have you stopped to had to think about what you're going to do? Like, do you live with people? Are you? Yeah, like, no, absolutely. That's a huge thing for healthcare mm -hmm. workers at the moment. I moved to Sydney and I settled in a, the beautiful house and had two fantastic housemates. Hello, Lauren and Mara. Um, Mara's since left. Um, but I did think I, I didn't think I would be able to work with them um, and be working with patients um, and in healthcare. I thought like the uh, the risk would be quite high. I have uh, my grandparents. I had you know, kind of come to terms with the fact that I might not see them this year because I don't want them to contract the illness. That like they're the ones who are at really high risk. Um, if you know, like a one in one in eight chance of dying, which is really high. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I've definitely thought about that. I've actually, um, am moving from a non-clinic, from a clinical role to work in public health. Uh, so, and within that role, I'm not allowed to see patients. Um, so the public health role involves tracking and tracing cases and then trying to prevent those cases from spreading. So we do, do contact tracing, um, and ensure that anyone who's been in contact with a confirmed case will then self-isolate. Uh, and then also discussing whether or not the patients who do test positive, if they need to be in hospital, if they can isolate in the community. And within that role, um, I'm, yeah, it, because of the risk for healthcare workers is so high, uh, I've been, you know, given the um, 
the instruction to not undertake any clinical work so that I can continue to be within the public health team without uh, contracting the virus because otherwise it kind of uh, they're still they're not they're needing to work together and if one person gets COVID-19 it kind of stops that operation wow it sounds so hard that it sounds so complex and complicated. Can we just give all the people with COVID-19 like a funny hat or something? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe we can ask Corona to sponsor them. Um, <laughs> carry a beer. Yeah, carry a beer. Um, the, I think that's the that's the tricky part, isn't it? Because some people are, have very different symptoms and that's why we really like this is why the social distancing is so important and it's not like it's looking out for others as well as yourself but you might be asymptomatic like you may have like mild symptoms or you might have like there's been cases where someone had diarrhea and that was their symptom so it's that's why we just don't know who's carrying it and that's that's the issue and why social distancing is so important i have a symptom i make puns i think i've got it <laughs> um, thank you so much. It's social isolation. Yeah, it's a yeah. worst illness, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it socially yeah. isolates myself from Lewis. <laughs> we don't puns. need to be doing this over Skype. I just demanded it because I don't want to be in the same room as Dan's pun. <laughs> uh, Dr. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. Do you mind if we check in with you in a couple of months to see how? Yeah, please do. Please do. I'll um, be in close contact. Well, not physically in close contact, but with my colleagues working um, that continue to be on the front line and they're doing an amazing job to support us all. But I'll be working, um, I guess, behind the scenes. Um, so checking contact. And for everyone listening, if you're thinking about going out, um, reconsider it. You know, you don't have to. Stay at home if you can. Um, and it's not just for you and it's not just for the patients who might contract COVID-19, but it's for everyone. And it's, yeah, it takes a bit of a, a shift in your thinking, but it's possible. Thanks, Jasmine. Have you thought about being Prime Minister? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on haircut length? <laughs> I haven't cut my hair in six months, so I'm just, this is, I'm, it's just going to grow all out. I've, I've accepted, that's it. My brows are growing out, my hair's growing out. It's a new me. A rational fear. Behavioural experts are stunned. Parents and police want answers and three teenage girls may have ruined their reputations forever. In the tradition of fucking off during a crisis, the parliament is headed into a five-month-long recess and won't be back to pass laws until August 11. Five months. And in place of the Australian government, they've created a coronavirus disease commission consisting of executives from mining, energy, transport, finance... The only remotely medical person happens to be the, on, on the commission is David Thode, who is the CSIRO chair. What is going on here? Where are all the medical experts while the government is on holiday? Is that, I hadn't heard that. That's uh, Is there been a like, soft revolution? Yeah. No, what do you mean it's a soft revolution? We, we are completely <laughs> run and owned by mining and fossil fuel entities. What are I you talking I, about? I, just, I, just, I was used to it happening from the shadows. Uh, I'm not used to them being out in front. Well, that's, there's no one else out there, are there? That's, who else is there apart from that bunch of people? I like it. When a crisis happens in, a, in, in movies, they call the Avengers. When a crisis happens yeah. in Australia, they assemble people to build open-cut mines. Yeah. They'll get Gina <laughs> Reinhardt in, you know, to sort of help out, you know, grab an axe to Darling. Yeah. Look, I, I don't see why government can't continue online like we're doing here. I mean, if you look at photographs and video footage of, of, of the chamber in Canberra, they're all on their bloody phones anyway. They're not <laughs> listening to each other. They're all on Facebook and Twitter. They're not actually paying attention. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, can you tell the Honourable Member to take his, turn his fucking phone off? They're all sitting there like, like people in restaurants, like couples on their phones while they're eating. Why can't people talk to each other in restaurants? It's the same with bloody Parliament. They're all sitting on their phones. So be no difference stay at home still run the country as ineptly as you do anyway just on your fucking phones easy i could not agree more i reckon if we have to put up with shitty zoom meetings because of their nbn failure then they should have to do it too <laughs> coming up very soon kirsty webeck will be here to do a stand-up set from her cancelled melbourne comedy festival show but first if you think it's a bit of a schmozzle in australia in the United States, it is way, way worse. Where a fractured medical system and an insufferable celebrity industrial complex is bringing harm upon everybody. I caught up with my friend Brad Blanks a little earlier on today to see just how he's faring in New York City. A rational fear. Well, it's official. One place that has it worse than any other country.
country in the world right now is the USA with 50,000 coronavirus cases. So I thought, what a good opportunity to catch up with my old mate, Brad Blanks, who lives most of the time in New York City, but has found a little bolt hole on Long Island to stay and see out the crisis. G'day, Brad. Oh, Dan, yes, it's a celebration in the United States, uh, you know, uh, as an Aussie here and have jumped onto uh, American fanfare and the fact that they always love to be number one, they are <laughs> celebrating that they have hit number one on the corona charts. I, I speak, for, I think I speak for all Americans when I say, USA, 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 you've done it. I've got myself uh, out of New York City, I'm out at the end of Long Island um, and I'm away from the epicentre of uh, the, the madness that is going on in there. It's, uh, it, it, it's a ghost town, I was in there uh, one week ago, it was a ghost town then and now the sadness is that uh, people People are getting uh, doubly infected every day. Well, have you been speaking to people who are still in Manhattan and still in Brooklyn? And what is it like? What's the feeling like? Yeah, as I said, I was in there a week ago, ghost town. Uh, even though I did walk through Times Square and the one person out in Times Square was the naked cowboy. So the naked he was cowboy still there on Monday. Naked cowboy yeah. is still at work. Why aren't you? That's what everyone's asking. Yeah. <laughs> Now let's speak about your work. You're a uh, you know a third wheel on a radio show. How is that going? Are you still being able to broadcast? Yeah, I, I had a but look. The, the, last week was the scheduled vacation of our show as this all started kicking off. Oh, that's so really convenient. Be, that's yeah, very yeah, convenient. You'll, you'll so be Scott back. Shannon, the legendary DJ that I work for, like he's a, a veteran of America, Hall of Fame radio. You know, they love that term, Hall of Fame radio <laughs> legend. And he went down to uh, Florida and where he lives, and I said, Scott, you not m- might not make it back. So I did a few call-ins um, to the uh, so filling let, guy. Let, let, let's be clear here, Hall of Fame. Yeah is a pseudonym for a very old person with probably dodgy lungs who could probably contract coronavirus. And he was adamant he was going to be back on the radio, back in New York City Monday morning, but he got the official order to stay down in Florida and call in from there. Now, that opens up a whole, you know, as radio people all around the world are trying to figure out how to use these, well, what are they called, Comrex boxes or tie lines, Dan, or ISDN. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an engineer in radio parlance of that sort of stuff, but you would know what I mean. And he had to get that sort of uh, connected to his um, system. And he was up and running on Monday. But what that does is uh, we have a board up in there who's usually, as you know, again, Dan, as a radio guy, is a 22-year-old underpaid guy, um, <laughs> you know, given the title of producer, but they, you know, they, they've got probably the hardest job in radio. They've got to run the board, deal with Madman. And he's sitting there trying to control the board. And Scott managed to call him, but what that means is I can't call in. Oh. So I, I'm out of a job without technically being out of a job. Are you, um, are you still getting paid? That's the important thing. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the, the paltry sum of uh, being a radio third wheel. But the, the big news of my, my job is, is we think that board op kid that's 22 years of age who yeah. drives like an hour and a half every day into work and out of work because, you know, everyone wants to be on radio, um, it has just come down with the big corona, oh, uh, unfortunately, no. sadly, for this kid. So, so they is, shut the sh- is Shannon going to have? Is Shannon going to have to panel off himself? No, no, he's in Florida doing it out of his study or somewhere. So I have a feeling, you know, this is CBS FM, one of the biggest stations in America. I I think the the program director will be panelling tomorrow. That's the rumour on the streets, which is crazy. And uh, so, yeah, I've got – I had a few bits planned and, you know, things to send in, but those those things are sort of, uh, you know – your, days your, off. your gear is primarily doing two things, talking to people on the street and talking to celebrities at red carpets. Yeah, what exactly. are you doing to gain <laughs> content, Brad? Your, your well, source of content has been cut off by coronavirus. No, completely cut off. So I used my children um, <laughs> you know, because we kicked off homeschooling, you know, and, and I know that's kicked <laughs> off in Australia and uh, it was a big deal. You know, they gave the teachers one week to plan the homeschooling, which was last week, and then Monday was the official launch of the New York Board of Education, uh, Department of Education uh, homeschooling, and it involved uh, many apps and many logins. I have three children um, from the age of 10 down to six, 
and it was login hell. And uh, I was savvy enough to figure out how to talk to you now so I could savvy enough to figure out how to log in and that. But I swear I had about 37 different logins, my wife and I. Um, so we've used a lot of that banter for my initial radio, but now that my radio job has probably dried up in the, in, in the, in the last 24 hours, um, yeah, and it gets back to the whole fact that I don't have anyone to talk to on the street and celebrities. Now, obviously, everyone's doing Skype or, or whatever, but am I able to get, um, you, know, uh, you know, Ricky Gervais uh, over Skype? Well, let's figure that out. He yeah. must follow you on Twitter by now. You and him have such a great rapport. Surely you, you can hook that up. Well, maybe, yeah, uh, but <laughs> celebs want to, at the end of the day, they've got to plug something. Not necessarily Ricky, but other celebs. So, look, hopefully I can sort of resuscitate the game of uh, trying to have a laugh with celebrities. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes over the, ne- the next few But thank you for underlining the fact um, I am absolutely stuffed when it comes <laughs> to <laughs> You know, you're someone who moved to America 15 years ago, 20 years ago. 20, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, 20, moved to America 20 years ago uh, because America is this like shining light on the hill, this beacon <laughs> of opportunity. Uh, and for you, your career there has been absolutely astounding, incredible. And and now this, this particular pandemic has really shown what America is in that it's, it's, it doesn't have the ability to look after its most vulnerable people. Is that... Does it stress you out living there now? Uh, it doesn't stress me out because, again, I, you know, how we've all been put, we're all in this bubble. So I'm sitting here, I, 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 every day I wake up and go, my family's good, we're good. If I go to get groceries, I'm not, I'm going to be have distance, you know, six yard distance. And I'm going to do stupid things like try to hold my breath and hopefully that works. <laughs> but then obviously you go into the news and you read this and you understand the, the mammoth you know, disaster that this is and you are, yes, and you are sad. And when you see nursing homes, you know, your mum and dad are moving into a you know, elderly care or a care facility, I should say, um, and you see nursing homes in New Jersey getting evacuated when three have died of corona and 27 have corona and these are all elderly people being helped by nurses, uh, yeah, it's worrying, it's distressing. And... Yeah, the, the big thing's going to be out of New York City, when you, and as as we kick this off in our jest that New York has gone to, you know, well, America's now number one and New York City is the hottest spot. Uh, the, the really thing that will make people's heads snap is when something like the Javits Centre, where New York Comic Con is every year and, the, you know, the, the motor show and the boat show and one of this, this amazing convention centre on the west side of New York City, it, you know, is at the moment getting prepped to be a hospital. And when that's, when that's filled with beds with sick people in there and ventilators in there, that, that, that again will make people, uh, you know, address this or be even more shocked of how real this is. Because I I know there's a lot of non-believers still, you know, which is, which probably scares me just as much as, America not helping the people that that really need it. Irrational fear! Joining us now to share some of her cancelled Melbourne Comedy Festival show is comedian Kirsty Webeck. She's got a Patreon page, and I love the first line of the About section. My name is Kirsty Webeck, but everyone calls me Christy. <laughs> Please welcome <laughs> Kirsty Webeck! Hello, hello! Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I was uh, I was recently talking to a journalist uh, when my tour still existed, and uh, <laughs> often when we talk to journalists, they ask us similar questions each time. So we usually have a sort of idea locked and loaded of what our answers might be. But on this occasion, uh, she asked me a question that I hadn't been asked before. She said to me, "When did you first realise that you were funny?" And no one had ever asked me that before, which in hindsight is probably quite hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) I had to really think on my feet. And the first thing that popped into my brain was being six years old in grade one and it being wet weather at school and just the entire student population just running wild in the gym. And I remember our principal getting up on stage and just trying to turn it all around and saying, does anyone have a joke that they would like to share with the rest of the school? And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely. 
uh, six years of age, full of bravado. I was like, yes, I need to get this out into the public. And uh, the reason that I was so confident um, about having a joke was that I'd heard this cracker on the radio that morning and I had not understood it. All I knew was that Fitzy, Stacy, and Fucko on 104.7 were loving it. I was like, I've got to tell the school this great gag. So I got up on stage and I said, How do you make a pool table laugh? You stick your hands down its pockets and tickle its balls. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely no idea what it meant, but something became apparent very quickly, and that was that Sister Jude understood the joke and she was furious. (laughs) Zooming across that stage like the flying nun, she was like, get out of here, get off, Kirsty, get down. She was screaming at me. She ushered me down the stairs on the other side of the stage. And uh, what I'm trying to say is, like, follow your dreams, right? (laughs) (laughs) Follow your dreams. Because the first time I stand up comedy, I was booed off the stage by a nun. And (laughs) I'm back. She was sort of on something. I'll go and get experience and come back later. And so on a 24-year hiatus and <laughs> I went out to the world and, and I came back and uh, nowadays I get to travel around doing stand-up, uh, not now now, but <laughs> in the red past I got to. <laughs> I get to go to some pretty cool places, like I've been to rad places all over Australia and also Canberra and <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that regard. Last year I got to go on a cool tour and I was, uh, I was up in Port Hedland. I don't know if anyone's heard of that place, but it's uh, up the top of WA. There's nothing there. It should just be called Port. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and we rolled into town. There were five comedians and we rolled into town on this tour one day and it was super hot and we were all melting. But one of our mates, he's from London and he was particularly in a bad way. And as we got to the motel, he pointed at the beach across the road and he said, I'm going to go for a swim in that beach. And I said, no, you're not, mate. He was like, what do you mean? I'm boiling. And I was like, no, mate, you're in Australia. You don't, you don't get into a body of water willy-nilly in this country without doing some research. I was like, I'll ask a local if it's safe. And so I went over to the receptionist in the and I said to her very quickly, perhaps too specifically, I said, are there any crocodiles in that beach? And she said, and our mate went ripper i'm gonna go for a swim then and i said no you're not and he said yes i am she said there's no crocodiles in there i said she did not say that (laughs) what she just said is that she has no idea but she wants to be involved in this conversation (laughs) (laughs) and then i thought that's pretty mean i don't know the woman maybe this is how she speaks right i'll test her do you think tomorrow we could have a late checkout and she said no (laughs) <laughs> she can't do it this is actually quite a bleak story um because i mean he was he was a lovely guy and a, a great comedian and we're gonna miss him terribly <laughs> <laughs> judy got it wrong <laughs> no, i'm just kidding it wasn't a crocodile it was a shark <laughs> not ask about sharks <laughs> that's on me but it worked out really well for me uh because judy had inspired me so the next day when i was checking out she said to me do you owe us any money did you have anything from the minibar and i ah! <laughs> 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 thank you so much for having hey, me uh, Kirsty will be joining us at Irrational Fear sometime soon as a proper guest. Thank you so much, Kirsty. That was great. That's it for Irrational Fear. Big thanks to Matt Sladen, Dylan Vane, Brad Blanks, Dr. Jasmine Daniels, Kirsty Webeck, and our fear mongers tonight, Rupert Degas, Beck Melrose, and Lewis Hobber. Have any of you got things to plug? Anything anyone anything you want to plug? No, I'm sitting idle in my living room until further notice. So um nope. <laughs> my comedy Rupert. career is cancelled. <laughs> 
I want to plug Easter Sunday. The churches are going to be full. It's going to be a great day. Everybody's going to be close together, singing, hymning, praying, sneezing, coughing. It'll be tremendous. Kirsty. On Patreon and Cameo at the moment. Your, uh, your cameo is going off. You were saying before you're doing like tons of cameo. People love you. I'm loving making videos from my couch. <laughs> I really this one over. I'm just going to be doing that anyway. <laughs> Jasmine's still with us. Do you, do you have anything to plug, Jasmine? Um, some nice quality time alone, everybody. <laughs> While subscribing to Kirsty's Patreon and to Irrational Fear. Uh, good on you. And Lewis, what do you got to plug? Um, I, I'm just sending people photos of my feet for cash. <laughs> Coming up next is News Fighters. Until then, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Okay, on to the government's big coronavirus economic stimulus package this week, and Prime Minister Scott Morrison made sure the first thing he had ready to roll out was a three-word slogan. To build a bridge to the other side, to get them on this bridge, there is a bridge over this, to get on this bridge, can effectively build a bridge. Yeah, build a bridge. Scott Morrison's messaging aimed at 90s teenagers. Oh my God, Australia, just build a bridge and get over it. Won't you just get over the coronavirus? Just build a bridge already. Oh my God. Of course, one of the biggest elements of the second round of stimulus this week was this. For at least six months, the Job Seeker Allowance will double to $1,100 a fortnight. The Job Seeker Allowance, formerly known as New Start, is being doubled. Yes, Scott Morrison doubled New Start. And I'll tell you who would absolutely hate seeing Scott Morrison double New Start, and that's Scott Morrison from last year. Well, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has emphatically ruled out increasing the rate of New Start. What do you think the quiet Australians think about an increase to New Start? They believe the best form of welfare is a job and they believe that our welfare system should work as much for taxpayers as, as it does for those who benefit from it. I will not engage in the unfunded empathy of the Labor Party, Mr Speaker. Oof, boy, Scott Morrison would sure hate Scott Morrison right now. Meanwhile, on the home front, I mean the literally stay-at-home front, Scott Morrison has received a lot of flack for his confusing mixed messaging. On Tuesday night, he said this. Stay at home unless it's absolutely necessary that you go out. But then, in the exact same press conference, he said this. But it is important for people to go to the shop. It is important to go to the shopping centre. It is important that they get access to these normal services. It's important for them because they need it. It's also important for our economy that it continues to operate and function as much as possible. Okay, wait, what? Stay at home, but keep your businesses open. Why? What? Oh, wait, I know. See, what we're doing is keeping as many businesses as we possibly can open. Okay, why are you keeping non-essential businesses open if you want us all to... Stay at home. Scott Morrison was challenged about this by a journalist on Wednesday and said this. Well, you're suggesting I should close down businesses where there's no medical advice that they should. I don't understand why we would cause that harm to a business and all their workers and their livelihoods for the sake of some sort of message convenience. But you just shut down every gym, pub, bar, club, house inspection and restaurant in the country. What's left? Where are we meant to go now? People can still go to car yards. Yeah, come on, kids. Let's do what the Prime Minister says and go hang out down at the car yard. But, Dad, we hung out at the car yard yesterday. Shut up, son. If the Prime Minister says we can go hang out at the car yard, we're going to go hang out at the car yard. Okay, that's News Fighters on Irrational Fear. Thanks again for having us, Dan. To hear the full episode of News Fighters, subscribe to News Fighters on your podcasting app or go to newsfighters.com. Remember, wash your hands, remain indoors, and bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.